Hello, everyone. This is Chris Calvert, your host, and you are listening to Career Goals. I'm going to take you through a fast track for an auto broker. And before I even do that, I'm going to do something unusual and just give you a website to go to, which is buyfleetdirect.com. And that's B-U-Y, fleet, F-L-E-E-T, direct, D-I-R-E-C-T.com. And there you will find the website for our guest, Rami Baruti, who is an auto broker. So what is the job of an auto broker? One of the things that I want to start with is how amazingly cool this job is. I was, um, I was in Antigua and a customer calls me up. And I mean, so long as you have internet access in your phone, you can work. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I work I so. because yeah. I don't hate my job. I can work anywhere, even when I'm on vacation. So I was sitting on the beach in Antigua drinking a margarita, selling an Audi R8. You know, I mean, the guy's asking me for an Audi R. It was an awesome car. Awesome right? car. Awesome, awesome car. car. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm the view. And this one, like, it struck me. I'm like, wow, I have a really, really cool job. <laughs> that is so awesome. And if so, if you're a car person or someone who just loves the idea of having a cool job that, that would live like this, then there you go. So if you're a car broker, one of the things you have to get used to is having your own business. So I'm going to lay this out here first for you and really how this business is set up. Listen to Rami here. There's a very, very unique person that can do what I do and, and, and maintain their sanity. Because if you don't know how much you're making every month, yes. but you know how much you have to pay every month yeah. to sustain you know, your life, uh-huh. it's difficult. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't have a salary. You know what I'm saying? So if, if, if I have a great month, that's awesome. But if I have a bad month... That's not awesome. And now you don't... If I have dealerships that are slow to that. pay, you know, if certain dealerships take forever to pay me, and I've made so, a certain amount of money two, three months ago, mm-hmm. but I haven't gotten paid on it yet, there's all of that to, to kind of factor. So it's like a lot of people are, are, you know, I don't think a lot of personalities or a lot of people can handle that aspect. Right. Very important. So if you are the person who could handle that... This is an important point that's coming up here just to think about in your industry, you could be working in your industry for a decade and not even know that your perfect job is in that industry waiting for you. So that was the experience of Rami. So let me tell you how he even figured out that there was such a thing as an auto broker. When I was running the internet side and the fleet side, that's when I was introduced to the whole concept of brokering. I didn't even know brokers existed myself at this point. And this is years into selling cars. So it wasn't until I I went and was running an internet side and a fleet side that a broker called me and they were like, hey, I need a price on this. And I'm like, who who are you? Who are you? Yeah. He's like, well, I'm (laughs) representing this customer that wants this. I'm like, well, what does that mean? He's like, I'm a broker. I'm like, what the hell is a broker? He's like, oh, I sell cars. I could just sell whatever car I want any from any dealership, and I deal Did with he, was you. Was he like, or what are you, would you start yesterday? Like, yeah, how do you not know? Because I was running a, an internet department. I had no idea what And you'd been was. in the business around it. For, exactly. Yeah. That's incredible. So I was like, what? <laughs> so I'm just going to encourage you to run around your office right now and look for the jobs that you're like, what? Or get on the phone with people who are calling your industry to, to buy stuff or sell stuff or whatever. There's all these other ancillary jobs that you just don't even know about until it it hits you. So here he is 10 years in. So what exactly is an auto broker? If you're a customer, listen up. If you've ever bought a car in your life, if you're thinking about buying one tomorrow, this is the most amazing way to buy a car, I think, as a consumer that is available 
in the United States of America. It's amazing. So what is the job of an auto broker? Uh, as an auto broker, basically my job is to do everything for you. You know, if you're not the type of person that likes to go into a dealership and go through the back and forth haggle with the store and all the, you know, the old school methods that the dealers use to try to maximize their profit, you know, my job is to kind of get through all that, speak directly to management, directly to people that have that bottom line say as to what, you know, their their deals are. Right. So they basically go in and as an advocate for you and not like you go with them to the dealer. That doesn't happen. They sit there like a like your real estate agent would do without showing you all the houses. You call and say, I want this whatever, this Volkswagen Jetta, and I want it in a white color, and I want these options, and please go find it. And he works all his connections, makes the whole deal happen. You say, I want to lease or I want to buy, etc. And this car then gets delivered to your house with, you know, a papers to sign with a deal to be done. And it's yours. It, I mean, it's, it's the most amazing thing ever. Please, please check it out. If you're one of the 95% of the people who buy cars who does not enjoy going to the dealer and making the haggle and doing all the back and forth. So who are Rami's clients then? Who calls him to get these, these deals done? The customer or the consumer that knows exactly what they want and doesn't want to you know, go through that usually calls me and says, look, this is what we want. Here's what our purchase plan is in terms of a buy, a lease, a cash deal. Uh, here's what we want exactly in terms of color and options. And my job is to find it and then kind of structure accordingly to what their preferences are. You know, I am essentially an outside sales rep, so I can work with any dealership I want. It's really, it's a matter of kind of using my expertise to make sure that you're getting the best possible deal. And instead of you going to a dealership and working with a sales rep on the store, who usually obviously works for the dealership trying to maximize yeah, got their, their own profit. Agenda. Yeah, my job is to work for you and to get you what you want versus trying to put you in what they want to get, you know, put, you know what they want to sell. Please go back and listen to the full interview on this because he gives so many good customer tips and insider info on the industry and how the car dealers will have certain models that they're trying to push off the lot. So maybe they'll find someone there who wants to give you what's best for you. But a lot of times it's a, you know, it's a sales generated job. They're just trying to get something um, off the lot. So this is a real business though. So when Rami's talking about it, he's talking about it's an amazing job, but he does have a full business. And with that comes the complexities of owning your own business. So listen to him talking a little bit about that. It's not so simple to say you're a broker. You have to actually go through a There's probably process. Um, licensing and stuff licensing, that you need. Yeah? You know, insurance, bondage, all that stuff. You have to go through the whole, you know. What yeah. license do you need? You need an auto like dealer license, but it's wholesale brokering license. It's specific to the field. So do you have to have sold a certain number of cars to do that, or how do you get that? Well, What's involved actually, in that I mean, from what I hear is that they're they're continuously changing the re requirements. At the time, it was you had to have signage, you had to have a lot, you had to have, you know, a location. It couldn't be out of your house. Couldn't right, be out of your, your garage. Yeah, because a lot a of guys want to do place. that. Right. So that's important to consider if you're thinking, oh, I'll just go be an auto broker. You really want to consider this as a career goal. This is a career goal job. And you can come in and out of this space if you work under another auto broker, but there's still licensing and requirements. You you have to consider this seriously. So then in terms of Rami, what was he thinking when he was running this business, starting out in this business? What was he going to do? And I wanted to kind of change the whole concept of how you buy a car. That's like when we first started, I think my first logo or my first, uh, the first, cause I kind of designed the website. It was like a new buying experience. 
that was like my 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 whole concept. When Experience. you watch all the commercials on uh, whatever, like um, what are all these new these new places like the True Car? You see commercials all the time. Oh, cars yeah, Guru, like, Car right, Guru, totally all like, these like random like, stuff. It's like what I did fifteen yes, years ago. It's like the little appy stuff that we're just talking. Yeah, about. but like, they still yes. send you the dealership. I, I know. mean, they're they're, yeah, they're exactly. pretending to be what I am, mm-hmm. but they're not. You know, right. they're still they're they're sending you to the dealership with a price in your hand. Right. This is really important. This is when he was talking about it. I was like, you're really like a car concierge. You know, if you went down to your hotel room from your hotel and went to the concierge desk and that person could buy you a car. Think of it like that. That that is how he works. And it's incredible service. It's incredible to be a client of his. And then if you're thinking of this as a, a career goal, it's amazing, amazing work. So was he Mr. Connected? Don't forget that like he was in the business for like uh, 10 years or so before he started even thinking about being a broker. So do you have to have a lot of contacts? Do you have to be really well established in the industry? What do you need to be successful as an auto broker? When I first it's started Fleet Direct, I didn't have contacts. I didn't okay. know anybody at any specific dealership. I didn't know who the dealer was. Well, that's actually were. a good point because that guy called you and yeah. you didn't know who he was. I didn't know who he was. And he was I didn't like, have I'm a broker. Contacts. You're like, All what I are you knew talking is about? I knew how to okay. make deals. I knew how to make deals. I knew how to negotiate with customers. Mm-hmm. I knew the whole concept of what people were dealing with at the dealership and how much they hated it. So and, I knew. And you knew the margins. You probably knew where the where yeah. the dealers well, had the room. Way I looked at it, the way I looked at it is not having an actual physical lot. How much am I risking? Zero. You know what I mean? I don't have a lot yeah. of, you know, overhead. Right. It's my office. It's yeah, my you have a utilities. Lease. Yeah. It's, you know, I could have started buying cars and having thousands of dollars invested in cars. And the longer they're sitting there, the more oh, money you're losing. Yeah. And I said, you know what, dad? This is, and I, because my dad was my investor. So I was like, yeah, you know, he's your here, angel investor. Here's my right? pitch. Mm-hmm. How much are we losing? How much, how much does, is it going to cost us to run this business with the, you know, potential of how much you can make? That was cool too. So as you listen to the whole interview, you'll see where he's talking about the starting a business. Because I said, oh, what do you need? Like you don't need a quarter of a million dollars to do something where you don't need cars on the lot. And it's really like, you know, 75 grand kind of thing to be able to start this, maybe less if you're just one person doing it. And that's something that you could don't tell anyone you ever heard me say this, but you could write it on a credit card. You know, you could do like a cash advance for some pieces of that. You could, you know, figure out ways to come up with that money. You can definitely go to a bank and get a business loan if you make a good case as Rami did to his angel investor. So where does all this come from? You think this guy who is an auto broker, I don't know, do you think that he's like some amazing student or like a super math whiz or what is he really good at? So listen to him talk about where this comes from. I worked full time my whole life, basically, because my dad and my mom expected us to just work for. Are you immigrants? Yeah, my parents are from Lebanon. Right. I think this is an important point. So there are people who work and there are kids and younger people who have jobs early on. And that is both a, a give and a take. You are the person who wants to have a job and then that you are the person who continues to work. And then the earlier you understand what it is to support yourself and to be able to you know, have your own money and understand how much things cost and how the world works, the, I think the better off you are in terms of placing out career goals ahead of you that will lead you where you want to go. So this is someone who knows how to work and by working, he's able to to learn what he's good at, skills, making deals, you know, putting people together, connecting, selling stuff, really good at selling stuff. So was he amazing in high school? Let's listen to his experience as a high school student. 
my parents kind of gave up on me when they saw that I had a 1.2 GPA out of high school. I never went to school. I was smart. I just didn't go to didn't school. Go. Yeah, I was distracted. You know, mm-hmm. and, it, and as a tr- as a kid, I was distracted, and I I just didn't know. I was good at pretty much anything I put my mind to, and that was hard on me because I didn't know what to focus on. You know, I felt like I could do anything I wanted. Right. That's so cool. Just think about that in terms of a a personality trait and reflect on yourself. Are you this person? Are you just almost restless is how I would describe Rami. Just like, I got to get this done. Like this is happening. And I don't have to go and sit and have someone tell me how to do it or like go through a bunch of classes. You know, some people like to do it that way. This is for a, a doer. And then to put that around a passion. Let's see where that comes in. You know, I started collecting model cars because when I was a kid, I had micro machines and Hot Wheels and I always had a massive a collection of cars. I loved cars. So I started collecting these these die cast model cars, which, which are awesome, which I started when I was 17. Right. So that's that's another indicator of you might have passions. And I always say, like, think about what you love to do when you're a kid, like 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, before people are telling you what you should and need to, and other people are giving you their best ideas. What did you love and what came to you? And this was a clear passion of his with cars long, long before he started working in the industry. So how did he get started doing this piece? So when I was in school, I was actually, I was a, uh, you know, I was a full-time student at UCI. Okay. And I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. Initially, I wanted to be a mechanical engineer because I loved cars. Okay. Always. I've right. always been a car fanatic. So I wanted to design cars. And um, I did a lot of advanced mechanical engineering courses at, you know, in college. But the drafting portion of it just didn't fit for me. I, you know, I'm, I'm very artistic and I don't like being told, you know, formulas. I don't like being restricted, you know, technically. Right. You're getting a sense of just that restlessness. Like, I just, I don't want to be fitting into this little box. And people who have this quality are are very good at being entrepreneurs if you can line up all the other discipline that's required to be an entrepreneur, which is key. But this, that kind of that restless nature is something that lends itself really well to having freedoms and setting your own path in whatever way you can. So how did he kind of bridge those gaps between, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into designing cars, but I have all these other little cars that I've been collecting for years. But I loved my job. Yeah. Loved it. At that time, I was, you know, was working with people, but I was talking about things I loved. You know what I mean? And it's harder to sell a model car than it is to sell a real car because these are hundreds of dollars. And, people and they are, don't do anything. And it's a toy to most yeah. people. But to me, it's like a work of art. You know Completely. what I mean? It's a, a representation of something so gorgeous and so beautiful. So like for me, I would sell hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of these model cars. And one day my sister's like, dude, you need to make real money. Go and get a job at a car dealership. Duh, right? <laughs> it's like, thank God for your sister. And thank God for people. There's always one of these people in your life. Uh, hopefully there is. It just kind of puts you in the right path for that moment. Um, and then he ends up working in a series of of different auto jobs. But then comes the big Mac Daddy job offer. And so this is, I'm going to just give you a little bit of background. There is an auto dealership in um, in his area called Fletcher Jones. And this dealership sells hundreds and hundreds, I think the numbers are 600, 700 plus of vehicles each month. And that is a really big number for a luxury auto dealer because they sell Mercedes. They sell Mercedes. I think they sell Maybach. Now they sell Audi. They sell a lot of really luxury, you know, nice cars. It's not the entry level cars or the basic cars that most of us drive. So he is through a you know series of again connecting and working and then he had a customer who 
really thought he was amazing and said, look, I've got some connections over at Fletcher Jones. Do you want me to get you connected over there? He was like, yeah, sure. And he's still pretty young. I think he was like 19 at the time. So listen to him talking about this is really key. So you think like, oh, yeah, if I could just get into Fletcher Jones, if I could just get into Fletcher Jones, make sure you are ready when you go to something like Fletcher Jones, or make sure you're ready to play in the NBA when you put yourself out for the NBA draft. Make sure you are ready because if you are not ready, you miss. Like you miss college, you miss the NBA, you could miss everything. So it, this is one of those one of those situations. He set me up with an, an interview at Fletcher with all of the management, which was twelve, you know, top tier top guys in the industry. I did a roundtable interview, which I'd never wow been in. You're twenty one years old. Yeah, I'd never had that experience before. But when most I got, people never go through their whole career and never have that. No, experience. I know, and it wasn't. It wasn't. I wasn't necessarily. I wouldn't convince myself an interviewer like somebody that you know was good at it. But I think I like floored them because I answered questions that they didn't even had asked me. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. I knew the industry. I knew what they were were expecting, you know, from guys. I think it's just kind of like one of these little car prodigies, you know, as he's talking about it. It's like, you know, it's just so nice when people find their perfect fit. But just listen for yourself in these conversations. Are you this person? Are you the person who can go at 19 years old and sit at a round table with 12 managers, other salespeople, owners of a very successful auto dealership or in any industry, you know, whatever the comparable industry would be and sell yourself. And that is exactly what you had to do in this situation, which he did. So listen to him talking about this experience and the decision about what do you do with school? So they offered me the position, but they said I had to leave school. I was still a full-time student. At that time I was at UCI. I had finally gotten into a real school. And my parents were like, you are not leaving school. Completely. To I be can a see car this salesman. as a parent. Yeah, you are not leaving school. And I'm like, mom, you don't realize how much this of an opportunity. opportunity this is. I have to take this opportunity. So I left school and I took the position. What and year I, were you in school? I was like, I had one year left. One year to graduate after like seven years of putting yes. investment this into is like a, a parent's nightmare. I'm yeah. sure your mom had like chest and, pain. For, and I'm like, mom, <laughs> this is like weeks. NBA. This is like a kid in, it high, is. You it's know, exactly in high school. Right. And this is like him getting the opportunity to get into NFL or NBA. Right. And there are there are situations like this in your industry. So when, again, just listening to him, be ready for this opportunity. But also, again, be careful what you wish for, because what happens now, now you don't finish school, you go on with your career path, which is awesome, and you've made it essentially. And then what is one of the possibilities of something that can happen? But the thing is, when I left school, I went to Fletcher, and this was the first time I was selling cars while I was not in school. So when you're in school, and you have a job, you feel yeah. like that job is just a job. Second. It's yeah. not a career. Right. It's not until you go. You this know, is once, a really important point. Yeah, too. Once yeah. I once I left UCI and I went into Fletcher and it was my my career. Mm-hmm. That's when it kind of dawned on me. This is you, dude. This is what you're going to do. You, there's no there's excuse no anymore. Yeah, yeah, you're not. You can't tell. You can't tell somebody. I'm still in school trying mm-hmm. to figure things out. You figured things out at this point, supposedly. Right. So, you know, I kind of had a like this con. It, it, it hit me like psychologically where I don't know. I wasn't happy. Life should be a combination of work and happiness. Yes. It cannot all just be work. Right. And there it was all work. Like to the bone. Like you were t- like stressing Exhausted. at night and thinking about, was, well, how am I going to make yeah, my I numbers sleep. and how I, am my, I going to get this done? My blood pressure was, was like skyrocketing. I gained so much weight. Everything okay. about my, my life was just falling apart. So it was because I think I had left school and I knew that, you know, in that back of my mind. And your mind, parents uh, like are yeah, talking in your, even though they're not saying anything. And the money like was there. I was making tons of money. 
Right, that's so difficult. I mean, you're young, you're you've made it and you're making good money and you can continue to make really good money. It's not like this is a one-time thing. This will go on for your career. And then I love what he talks about here in terms of what's going on for him personally. And that's a listen to your body, listen to yourself, look for the signs that this is not working or there might be a better way. And that's kind of where he came to in this story. I probably would have made much, much, much more money than I make now. Yeah. But I don't know. You don't I mean, know. Based on where I was at, you know, you know, personally. And at what cost? Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Is it yeah. worth it? Is it worth it to, mm-hmm. to make all this money and be, you know, this guy? Not, not who a I family. Don't like? and, and by the way, I'll just say now, fast forward on this story, he makes really good money now. So you just don't, you just don't know what, how this is going to, how this is going to go. But in that, he also talks about struggling with business partners and having that security. So important to know about yourself, wherever you are in your career as it evolves, is how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. He has a really good little discourse here about that. How right. to sacrifice yes. the first couple of years and expect not to make a dollar if mm-hmm. you want to make a business work. Yes. Because it's all about creating the foundation for that growth. Yes. And it's, it's all a, it's about... Like, I, I liken it to like... Um, building a new house, yeah. right? So it, your house doesn't get built in a day. You can't sell it tomorrow for $5 million yeah. or $250,000 yeah. or whatever you're going to sell your house for if it's not built. So yeah. it's like it takes time it to takes build time. that so if house. You have, yeah. if, you were like, if you're like me and you don't have a family to support, you can take a hit for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Or if you plan for it, if you have a family and you or plan if you for do it. That, yeah. Or if you can straddle, like I was saying. Yeah, you know, you could these straddle, guys couldn't. Can, so yeah. a year into okay. our, our, you know, our business, I bought them out. They couldn't. They couldn't do it. They didn't want to do it. You know, for them, it. it was almost like a demotion mm-hmm. for them because they yeah. came from management. And at management level, you weren't dealing with customers one-on-one. You well, had the and your, your monetary, right, the way you make money is not on yeah. performance. It's on everyone's performance yes, through the entire right. lot. So for them, they didn't have to sell the way I had to sell for so many years. So they didn't have that. They did probably when they first started, but it had been years since they'd been doing that. Yeah, so I they totally were like, I don't want to be a salesman anymore. This is a really important personality point, too, when he talks about this. Also, you know, wherever you are in your career, in your life. But personality-wise, again, that restlessness is entrepreneurship. It just, you get that kind of, I, I need to be free. I need to have a correlation directly between the work that I'm doing and the monetary, you know, rewards or the work that I'm doing and the, the way that I can live my life rewards, you know, lifestyle perks, et cetera. And people who, if you find yourself in a different situation where you're kind of struggling up against walls and ceilings and ways that it has to be that might be a calling for entrepreneurship and that is certainly what Rami has here. So what do those skills do for you because once you have your own business you have a lot of skills actually if you've ever owned your own business even if you end up going back into you know corporate world or you know some other aspect. Rami ends up in the recession in 2008, you know the biggest recession in our lifetime for all of this and think housing crisis, but that all trickles down to cars. So what was he able to do during the recession? I was consulting for Kelly Blue mm-hmm. because I was very unique, you know, and then I knew the industry on both sides, the consumer side and the dealer side. Yes. So Kelly Blue Book hired me for a year and I worked for them full time while, the, you know, during the recession to help them, Smart. you know, with, with their, you know, advertising for dealers and, and, and their information that people are gathering for consumers. So I, I, I consulted for over a year there. And I was still working here because it was down the street. Yeah. So I was able to maintain the two, my business and the consulting. So important. That's such an important point you're making. Yeah, exactly. You can't give up. You just, that's right. the thing. It's like, I was ready to, cause it was, it was difficult. 
And honestly, I was selling model cars even on eBay. Yeah, of course. And during the recession, I mean, I did everything you're an entrepreneur. I could do. You're yeah, do I did it. everything I could do to just keep my keep afloat and but keep my, the doors but open. The, yeah. The, the the from the beginning, the whole concept was, what can I? What kind of business can I run that doesn't cost that much to run? So it's smart the way that he thought about it. And also, that's just the way that he likes to do business. He's not a guy if you're around him for a little while, you'll see he's not the guy that wants like, all these roots and entanglements in terms of that he loves, you know, doing one thing, then moving on then doing the next thing, then moving on, what else can I do? What more is there that kind of thing? So what's the coolest thing about his job thinking about his personality? The coolest thing about being a broker, if you love cars, is that you sell everything, you know what I mean? And if you're passionate about cars and somebody wants to buy a Ferrari or a Porsche, they can sense that you love what you're selling. They definitely can. And I learned so much on this interview because I thought if you had a lot of money that you could just go and buy a Ferrari, but that apparently is not true. So listen to him talk about that experience. With Ferrari, it's not, it's one of those manufacturers that really, you know, is uh, particular about who they let buy their cars. So you know, there's a used Ferrari anybody can buy, but a brand new Ferrari, you have to have an established relationship in order to buy it. You know, you have to purchase a couple of used ones prior or purchase a California, which is a Ferrari brand new, but it's not considered a real Ferrari. So that Other would be your entry level, that, entry level yeah. Ferrari. That would be your, you know, I'm trying to establish my, you know, my relationship with the brand. If you don't want to buy something used, because you can buy a used Ferrari from anyone. Mm-hmm. And if you buy like an F40 or, an, or some significant kind of Ferrari, you're establishing yourself as someone that's serious, serious. about Ferrari. Okay. So cool. He has a really cool story in the whole interview about selling his first Ferrari, you know, getting this Ferrari for a customer. So listen to him talking about the pinnacle of his auto broker life. Selling him a 430 Scuderia was to me like the pinnacle of my my career saying, look, Rami, you just sold a Ferrari, dude. So awesome. I mean, I, I just think every 15 year old kid in the world right now is like, yes, like, that's awesome. I mean, that's just amazing. That's awesome. I'm not even close to 15. And I think it's amazing. So cool. So that's the kind of stuff that you get to do. And just think of the people that you would meet too, and doing this kind of work. I mean, just all kinds of people you just you also have to be that person who can just engage with people, you know, someone might be buying a Toyota Corolla. And then the next time you're, you know, selling this Ferrari. So just all across the board, and then you get special treatment at auto shows and um when he goes to do this all this travel work it's really cool that he did all through europe you get to have some backstage pass if you will into the auto manufacturers the you know porsches and bmws and those really just cool amazing so what kind of advice would he have if you're younger and you don't really have this great passion or you can't do something with your passion just yet you got to be strategic about if if you have a passion and you want to get into something that's that you're passionate about you should most likely be successful if you put your heart and soul into it and you put the hard work into it if you don't then you need to kind of be strategic about what you want to do with your life. And you need to think about who you know, who's going to open doors, how potentially you could get into, you know, just a career that's going to pay the bills. You don't have to necessarily get into a business or into a job that you love. If you're good at something and you are, you know, going to show that eventually, yeah, you'll somehow, sometimes it'll just fall into your lap. He gives a great story there too about his 
his sister's career trajectory and how she was linked up with, you know, family connections to get this executive assistant job. But she really enjoys photography and social media. And they essentially she did so well at her assistant job that they promoted her and made a job for her as essentially like a social media manager to to work on all their social media. Now she's killing it and loving it. So he makes such an important point there about think about who you know, but think about who you could know from doing a job well. So go get that job, do an amazing job, do do so well at that, and then figure out within that job, you know, who can help you to do what you really want to be doing. So along with that, here's a little blurb about just being passionate. It doesn't have to be cars. If you're passionate about something and yes. that's what you end up going into as your career, you're going to be successful if you're passionate about it. That's my theory. I think he's right. If you if you line up what you love to do and what you're good at, that is the key. What do you love and what are you good at? Because you could love cars and you could manufacture cars. You could design cars. You could sell cars. You could sell cars to dealers. You could have your own dealership. There's a, You could be an auto detailer. There are so many ways that you could love cars. And then it's a matter of what are you good at around that passion. So line up those two things. Really important point he makes here. And then just to close, Rami's just such a amazing guy really we're around him and you're just like i could just hang out here all day although he probably wouldn't want to because he's like you know really frenetic he's got a lot of stuff going on but i could sit there and hang out with him all day he just has a really cool exciting energy about him but like in a really grounded exceedingly grounded way and he gets that from you know, obviously his upbringing and his parents and all that, but the way that he has chosen to exhibit his career life, I think supports being who he is and just being this really happy person in life. So listen to him talking about that. I'm very passionate, so it doesn't seem as much like work. So that's what I think is the key. If you want to, to enjoy your life, you know, with what you do and with your career, if are doing something you love it's not as much of a burden it's not doesn't feel like i'm going to work i don't dread coming into work i don't dread working if i'm on vacation it's to me everyone's like why are you working you're on vacation it's awesome like, i love it i don't give a yeah, shit right you know, when you're matter. in europe it's morning time right when everyone else is going to sleep so it's perfect so when i was in you know in stuttgart in vienna and any of these places i was sitting there working selling cars at 11 o'clock their time because it was 10 a.m right. our time here so it was like perfect so cool. So there you have it. There's your fast track to be an auto broker. And again, that's someone who will shuttle you through the whole process. So be sure and call by fleetdirect.com. You can go find him. Rami Baruti was our guest today here on Career Goals. I'm Chris Calvert, and we will see you next time. Bye.